Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Balcha, and welcome back to the Talking Blarney podcast, where we wade through the Blarney to tell you about the real Ireland. I'm your host, Stuart McNamara, and I'm here with my vice president, Robert Mary Cross. Good afternoon, my fellow Americans. <laughs> yeah, if I sound a bit far away today, uh, it's because you know we, we like firing away so much we're trying to replicate it. And <laughs> oh god, don't start. The fan the fancy microphone setup we have isn't working for some reason, and we've tried everything. <laughs> uh, look. Once we get back to doing these in person, we'll uh, we'll at least be able to use it then. So I think the the big news of the big news of the day, Rob, is that there is now a new president of the United States. I believe. Uh, yeah, Joe Biden has been declared president elect. Uh, CNN, Fox, the Associated Press have all called it in literally the last twenty minutes from when we're recording this on Saturday. So it's a uh, it's a good day. I, I know I stayed up all election night watching it and. It just kept going, you know. It's like a, <laughs> just like our our voting system over here is lots of counting involved, and it's always it was just like you know, Stu being watching the the Limerick City by a by election or something like that. It was that level of counting. It was really good. Oh, very exciting stuff. So, considering that, I believe for uniquely Irish this week, you're going to talk to us about a few of the Irish American presidents. That's right, Stu. And it, it, it a lot of it's it's almost kind of a trope now, isn't it? The whole. U.S. president talks about their ancestry and goes back to like the small town in Ireland or or, or wherever have you. Um, but it, it wasn't always the case, you know. Um, not not always the case at all. And yes, too. So it wasn't always the Vogue thing. We've talked a little bit before in this podcast about how Irish, the Irish in America, were not always treated the very best, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, yeah, things time. changed over time. Now, there's actually something I have to briefly explain before we actually get into it, because you know. Generally, a lot of the early American presidents weren't really Irish in a sense, and really have Irish ancestry because they were kind of, you know, large land-owning, slave-owning, white Protestants, really. So they were actually described as what Americans would call Scots, Scots, Scots Irish, or Scots Irish. Yeah, that's a annoying thing to say. Uh, Scotch Irish, is it? Scotch Irish or Scots Irish? Yeah. Um, right. So it basically mean people like descended from. The Scottish settlers in Northern Ireland. We're not going to get into that today too much, but it was this. It's kind of a separate category from people. Well, I mean, you could say that it was really, it was really just when the the famine hit here that Irish people really kind of gained a foothold in America. That's true to a certain extent, but it, it, it it's worth just saying that a lot of American presidents did have a Scots Irish uh, background, but it, it wouldn't quite be the whole JFK image that we see now. It's descended from. Protestants, generally Presbyterians in Northern Ireland, well, Ulster wasn't really Northern Ireland at the time, that came over to the American. It's kind of important to note that um, it was largely kind of for religious freedom purposes because they were what was known as dissenters. They were dissenting Protestants. They didn't follow the Church of England and Ireland as it was at the time. So them going to America was, you know, an aspect of religious freedom as well. And because they were white and Protestant, they kind of managed to do very, very well. So really a lot of the early kind of 
US presidents that have ancestry. There's 22 in all out of the 45, although only 44 people have been president. Thank you, Grover Cleveland, in your two non-consecutive terms. But you go back to Andrew Jackson. He's the very first president. He was the seventh president, uh, Old Hickory, they used to call him. Um, and he had uh, Scots-Irish uh, descent uh, from Ulster Scots. who came to North Carolina from uh, just near Carrickfergus in Northern Ireland. And you really go down quite a lot before you get to like an actual Irish descent that isn't kind of Scots-Irish, as they said. So you like uh, James Polk, James Buchanan, Andrew uh, Johnson, Ulysses S. Grant, Chester A. Arthur, and Grover Cleveland, uh, who I mentioned there, and Benjamin Harrison, all Scots-Irish, William McKinley as well. So when you get to Teddy Roosevelt, who largely had oh. Scots-Irish, that he has a little bit of normal Irish in him. His family were from uh, County Antrim uh, near Glen, Glen O. Um, he didn't like describing you. He, he kind of said, that, but a hyphenated American is not an American at all, he said. so, And he did praise Irish Presbyterians as a, a bold and hardy race, direct quote. And <laughs> you get you, you get like a lot of a lot of these things. Like pretty much every president after him almost um, has Scots-Irish thing, it's, apart from FDR didn't. Uh, it's really when you get to um, JFK that you get the first president who is specifically not Scots-Irish, he is Irish. Like, you know, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, that's a, it's a very Irish name, Stu. He was also the very first Catholic to be president, and it's worth saying that's, that's quite overstated. Like, his father and, and grandfather had really kind of struggled to get up in the American politics. This being a Catholic thing really held him down much more even the early 1960s than we'd kind of ever think about today. I mean, Joe Biden's just one, he's a Catholic, and that wasn't even an issue. But, you know, the whole thing of, oh, is he going to take answers from the Pope or anything else? And it kind of starts the big thing with JFK coming back to his Irish roots. Like he, his family were from... Right. Hang on a minute now, Rob. So you're saying that they they were worried that a Christian uh, president or a Catholic president, I should yep. say, would, uh, would listen to the Pope if he said anything. But at the same time, they were okay with a Protestant president whose Pope is basically the king slash queen of England. Yeah, it's a, well, you see, they kind of distance themselves from the whole English thing with the, um, you know, the War of Independence there, too. Um, and, you know, all, all of that. So like, when they, they separated from the Church of England, had their uh, Episcopalian, Episcopalian means ruled by bishops, church, which is basically Anglicanism, but, you know, by a different name and not as tied to the, the Church of England. So having their cake and eating it, I, I do take your point. Um but, you know, JFK was the, the first kind of real Irish American president and, you know, famously came back to Ireland as well. And they were, you know, De Valera, who was president at the time we discussed before, wanted to give him honorary citizenship because you know, he was, they were both Irish Americans in a sense. And obviously that didn't happen because of, you know, complicated reasons. He even came to our, our home in Limerick. My grandmother remembers him coming to Limerick Racecourse and he was mobbed there and we named a, a school after him here in Limerick and we tried to name a bridge after him, but that, that didn't quite work out, did it, Stu? Oh, it did not, because that would have been a ridiculous move. Uh, then the next president, uh, Richard Nixon, um, also did have some Irish connections. Um, he was he was actually a Quaker, another type of Protestant. And he, he's, Quakers in Ireland were quite... Ah, the old people. Exactly. They were the Millhouse family, and they were had ties to Kildare and Antrim. So he had both Scots-Irish and Irish roots. And Nixon is a reasonably common name up in Northern Ireland. It wouldn't be uncommon. Then, you know, you get down to Ronald Reagan, who was... You know, his great-grandfather was Irish from Ballyperine, County Tipperary, and he famously came back to, to this. It's a small little town, really, and they opened the, the, the Ronald Reagan Lounge there for, for the pub, which is closed now, I understand. I, I did know a girl from Ballyperine, she told me that. And it was also the, the real kind of change, because JFK was, like, met on the streets with hundreds of thousands of people who wanted to see him, and he was, you know, this 
Irishman after taking over America. He was, you know, the talk of the country. Everyone has, like, you know, we said before, the picture of JFK, the Pope, and, like, the child of Prague, or, like, Padre P up on the wall. It's it's a very typical Irish kind of setup. But Reagan was met with... But lots. what about Bono? Oh, but Bono, of course, as well. But Reagan, <laughs> Reagan was met with, like, massive protests, and that's where you kind of start to see the whole... You know, it's okay to protest these guys coming over. Uh, then we get on to the George Bushes, um, did have connections to County Wexford. Uh, also, his ancestors were descended from uh, Richard DeClare, the Earl of Pembroke, who we know better as Strongbow in this country, who is not remembered fondly because he's, you know, led the, the Anglo-Normans over here and kind of took over the country in 1169. Yeah, and they so. made that awful cider. Yeah, Strongbow Cider is shite, unfortunately. <laughs> but then, Stu, we get to the, the, the man that we really put this segment up for, which is Barack Hussein Obama, uh, who is... I thought he was born in Kenya. Oh, no, no, no. That's uh, That was what Donald Trump said, but he's not present anymore, so he can fuck <laughs> off. Um, I need to censor that part. Uh, so, yeah, his while his father was Kenyan, a uh, Luo from Kenyan, uh, his mother's side was English, and he had ancestors on his mother's side from Moneygall County Offaly. And... His um his eighth cousin, who was especially known as Henry the Eighth in in the village, uh, was the person to greet him there when he came back, and he, he gave a big speech, and he had a pint of Guinness there with Michelle, and he was pouring pints there in the bar and uh, money gall, and and Stu, you'll ever, you'll always know you're driving by money gall in the motorway now, won't you? Oh yeah, Barack Obama Plaza. The but actually, Rob, wasn't the uh the the drinking of the Guinness a little controversial because the Secret Service didn't want him to be actually drinking it? Yeah, they normally would. Like they'd have someone like check the food, you know, before he, he drinks it. But you know, I I think there's some sometimes too. You just have to say, no, I just want a pint. And I think he was right. Yeah, to I do mean, it. an Irish man worth his salt. If he has a Guinness in his hand, he's drinking it. Oh, that's right. I mean, it was even when the Queen and Prince Philip came over. I know I've mentioned this in a previous podcast. Like the Philip was Prince Philip was going for that pint, and the Queen just like politely stood back and was like, you know, he was like he was going for that pint. The Lizzie practically had to talk him out uh, out the door. Uh, and then finally, our president elects to Joseph oh. Robinette Biden Jr. Uh, is a you know has Irish roots it, from his mother's side, the Blewitts coming from County Mayo, and the Finnegans from County Loud. Um, he they, his great great grandfather Patrick Blue was born in Ballina, County Mayo, and left Ireland in 1850, so just after the real height of the famine to go to America, and they ended up in Scranton in Pennsylvania and well uh, a, a, Joe, a Joe Biden went off and did very very well for himself yeah and it was actually Pennsylvania was the last state to, to be called for him to get him over the edge wasn't it that's exactly right Stu that was uh, called today by CNN and it's looking good so we, we have another Irishman and also it's worth saying Biden is um, Catholic as well he's the, the second Catholic since JFK to be president so it, it's um, I suppose in a sense it's, it's good to kind of see that because you know, millions of Catholics in America who I suppose can maybe feel a bit more represented now, which is which is good. So yeah, there there you go, Stu. Um a bunch of other people I'll just briefly mention that had Irish connections. Uh, Tip O'Neill, who was Speaker of the House for ten years. Um he actually took JFK's seat in the House of Representatives, I believe, when he went up to the Senate. So very, very long serving man. It did very important things with the Good Friday Agreement. Uh George Mitchell as well, who was um Bill Clinton sent him over to Northern Ireland to be the special envoy and really helped through the the Good Friday Agreement. So just I think just worth mentioning the two of those people as well, just because they they weren't president, but they made very very big impacts when it came to the Good Friday Agreement and getting peace in this island. So definitely worth throwing it in there. Um, 
And Irish Americans play a very large part. I mean, they celebrate Paddy's Day everywhere. And, you know, we're the only country in the world that has an annual meeting with the US president. Our, our Taoiseach, our prime minister, goes over to Washington every Paddy's Day. Uh, March 17th and you know they have their meeting and everything else whether it's going to happen this year we don't know perhaps it'll just be a phone call or a Skype but uh, hopefully hopefully uh, it'll, uh, you know Michal Martin and Joe Biden will do like a Zoom quiz or something well, that, that kind of things too oh god <laughs> right so uh, I think with that out of the way we'll jump right into the episodes for this week uh, we'll be talking first about the passion of Saint Tibulus from Father Ted and I'll read out just a quick synopsis they have on IMDb so Father Ted and Dougal protest a blast from his new film on the orders of a visiting bishop with a terrible secret whatever could it be <laughs> yeah so this is probably one of the, the most well known episodes of Father Ted with uh, some of the the most well known quotes in it I think it's fair to say absolutely Stu it's um, I think uh, down with this sort of thing careful now it's just becomes such an Irish thing and you, you, you always see it at protest whether it's against the government uh, against like you know for election campaigns in this country whatever have you you'll always see someone with the signs and down with this sort of thing careful now and it's just you know constant here yeah it's like they're they're great quotes I mean whoever came up with that either the, the writers or someone in the staff just wonderfully vague in their protest and it, it just works for every occasion really it does, and it, it, it's even in the, the video game Grand Theft Auto Five. you can see a protester with that sign because one of the guys in the, did the design was actually a massive Ford Ted fan from Ireland. I think he was from Bally, uh, <laughs> I think he was from Ballymun, actually, in Dublin. Yeah, so uh, we'll chat a bit down through the episode. I think the, the first part that always gets me is, is do looking out the window, and it's absolutely torrential, and there's thunder and lightning, and he just goes... Looks like rain, Ted. Yeah, uh, another great line. I, I think there's so many quotes in this episode that I would use on a regular enough basis, and that's definitely one of them as well. Dougal is such a great character, like the lovable fool to a certain extent, but it's uh, it's really good. Oh yeah, excellent stuff. Uh, and so, like at the start, we get introduced to uh, Father Hernandez, Dougal and and Father Hernandez. They're playing a uh, what is it again? Uh, Cluedo, yeah, or Clue, as some people might know it. Oh, Tim Curry in this one, but. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, they're they're having a good time there. There's the line about like uh, Father Jack is hard of hearing, and they have to you know put up the candles full of his earwax, which is disgusting. <laughs> you see one on the table then. Oh yeah, yeah, it's straight out of Shrek. Yeah, and uh, like Father Hernandez. Well, I just love the whole thing where he keeps speaking in Spanish, but it's like clumsily dubbed over in English. Oh yeah, the dubbing is hilarious. It, it it's really uh, harkening back to like the old Japanese films where the dubbing is quite poor on them, and it's just it's it's late. And some of it's like obvious stuff, but they still dub over it anyway. It's just like a no, no. And whoever they got was clearly like doing the most like bland, uh, bland speech he could possibly do to make it even funnier. It was actually the producer, Jeffrey Perkins, who did that. Oh, right. So I, I think that was kind of deliberate. Yeah, so it's very funny. And then they're, they're chatting away and then Dougal looks in the actual... Oh no, before that, do they make a joke about the Protestants? He's like, yeah, he says, oh, it's Reverend Green in like, the drawing room with the knife. And it's like, oh, those Protestants up to no good. Yeah, just whatever jokes they can get in there. But yeah, then Dougal finds out that there's actually no cards in there and they've been playing for five hours. Yeah, we've, we've all had days like that, I think. Oh God, just the idea of it. But very easily done, I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it can, I, I, I always kind of got the impression that the Dougal had like set up the game and never put any cards in it. Um, that's how I always read that scene. Yeah, I can imagine that being exactly the case. 
even though he keeps guessing people that he has or whatever as the game go- goes on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then we get the, the great bit at the end, then where like Vod Hernandez is leaving, and uh, like he, and he, he gives the gift. He gives like us like a small thing from my, my village is like a, a video recorder. <laughs> he goes, yeah. Sorry, it's very primitive, but I suppose like to now it would be primitive. So maybe it's a joke that still works in a sense because like who, who would use a video? But I think it's funny. And then he gives Ted the fertility thing because he, he seems to be a priest that really struggles with the celibacy from what we can here so he makes a kind of oh yeah because isn't he horning on uh mrs doyle uh, Doyle. yeah it's just like sometimes the celibacy thing is pretty hard ted yeah which is uh funny because obviously they try to make mrs doyle look as kind of unappealing as possible i suppose yeah yeah i mean it's kind of dealt with in other later episodes as well where ted has his own struggles with that but we'll we'll get to that at some point i'm sure oh yes yeah so then we're kind of introduced to the bishop brennan as the next kind of big thing, yeah. Uh, you know, the Ted and Dougal's bishop, he's not not a fan of them. It's kind of established that they've been put there on Craggy Island for um, reasons, punishment. Yeah. Um, and you know, Ted has the money was just resting in his bank account. He, he basically stole money from a sick child that was supposed to go to Lords, which is uh, yeah, and he went over to Las Vegas, yeah, and just as I assume lost it all, expecting to win and then put the money back and then keep the whatever his winnings were. Yeah, just just to say to maybe it, it, it maybe wouldn't be Irish. Lords is a kind of shrine in France that the, apparently the Virgin Mary turned up in as like sick people generally go there and get some of the holy water and it, it has healing qualities apparently but it, it's a kind of very common thing to send the sick children to lords it's kind of a running trope almost in ireland but it would be yeah what is it it's a pilgrimage or something you do like that, that there's it? a particular thing about it it's like that and I, I i can't remember the other ones do you probably can but like there's two in there's one in spain there's one in france then lords and the camino that's what it is yeah they're they're oh, they're yeah, kind yeah. of it's very popular with Irish Catholics for some reason. Um, but like always, like they're always fundraising, get money to send children to lords or sick people to lords. So it's you know it it, it it's very much an Irish thing that. So uh, Dougal apparently had the the Black Rock incident, uh, but it's all right. They were only nuns. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, his his lack of care. But I think like the introduction of Bishop Brennan is great because obviously historically in Ireland. Bishops would have been incredibly feared, uh, including by certain priests, considering how much power the bishops would have had. Absolutely. And just he come he comes in with with like the the massive cape on, and like you just immediately get this this sense that he 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 holds all the power and he's used to it. And there's just that level of fear uh, amongst well Ted mostly because Dougal doesn't understand and. Uh, and Father Jack doesn't really yeah, care. Yeah, Jim Norton, who plays Bishop Brennan, he's a proper actor, like, and he just has this very commanding stage presence because, like, he was doing. I think they're casting because they they saw they like, heard him reading Ulysses, and he he did a bunch of other things. He's on Frasier as well, and a, a bunch of other kind of US shows. But he's just got a very commanding, very powerful stage presence, and it really kind of is intimidating. Almost, I was kind of reading a bit about the the background of the episode. Too, was like they always said that Bishop Brennan was Father Jack's. Uh, Foyle is his enemy in a way because they said Jack could have been a bishop, but he was just a career priest and also an alcoholic. <laughs> so they always felt oh, they also, right. the two of them were each other's foils in a sense. It's like if you apply yourself, that's what Jack could have done, but he went the other direction. So I would yeah. say, like, like the called character Bishop Brennan is kind of based on two people. Uh, there's Bishop Eamon Casey, who was Bishop in Galloway and Kerry, and was briefly a priest in Limerick as well, who famously had. Uh, an, an affair with a girl called Annie Murphy and had a child 
over in America and he came back and he was a bishop. He only passed away about two or three years back, but it was a very big scandal at the time. And then there was Michael Cleary as well, who was this kind of famous Irish priest, you know, the kind of trendy Irish priest who, who did kind of, you know, like, oh, let's be like really liberal and stuff. No, oh, I've taken a few drugs to try them out. And this celibacy thing is hard. I'd like to be married, but I'm married to God instead. He sang for the Pope in Dublin. So, and would you oh, believe lovely. it? He had two children with this housekeeper. No. Priests would never do so that. So that kind of had a thing. And it's, 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 there's a, a great Christy Moore song you know, about uh, Casey, Casey Casey, you're the devil because when you get behind the wheel because he was a, a bit of an erratic driver, a rally driver almost who Bishop Casey was. And then it, it says like, you know, Oh God. Uh, and the Pope came to Ireland like, you know, uh, Eamon Casey and Michael Cleary uh, poured the, cut the bread and poured the wine. He goes, oh, two jockey boys they'd ride for Ireland. <laughs> Oh God! So it's kind of it's kind of based on that because that was breaking at the time. Ah yes, of course. So Bishop Brennan has come uh, because for some, through some legal loophole, uh, the Passion of Saint Tibulus is allowed to be played on Craggy Island, although it's not allowed to be played anywhere else by the Pope's decree. I assume that's only uh, Catholic countries or whatever. Yeah, the, the Pope could but, uh, say things like that. I mean, I, it's you know, like, there was plenty of movies that were banned in Ireland because they were like on Catholic, like even like Monty Python, The Holy Grail, and like The Life of Brian were kind of famous examples of that. Yeah, I mean, it, it does harken back to the the kind of things that the the church would do at the time. Uh, similar to isn't it Cinema Paradiso where the the priest is actually watching the film and he's caught in any scene that uh that is any way objectionable, isn't uh, it? Yeah, objectionable. And so that that is a thing that would have been done in Ireland for quite some time with the, the stranglehold that the church had here is that various films would have actually just been banned outright or cut down or whatever, what have you, to not corrupt the innocents. Yeah, no, yeah, that's exactly it, Steve. There, there was like, I think we talked about this briefly before when we were talking about the, used to be the Board of Evil Literature was the censorship board in Ireland for, for a while. Um, <laughs> and it really it was still going on until like even the 90s, like during our lifetime, it um, before it was handed over to like um like if I just like it puts like the twelve or fifteen like a movie or video game now. Yeah. But before that it was film classification, film classification board. board, I think is what it is. Yeah. But it it was very different at the time. So it is accurate in a sense because like a lot of these things were banned until in the early two thousands, I think. I mean you could get the videos from England. There, there was never really an issue with this, but you know, technically speaking. Yeah. Uh so they're they're off they're told then that they have to uh to protest the movie so they head down there anyway and they decide to go inside and uh, watch it before they actually do any protesting which is pretty great uh, i know inside one thing that i thought was funny and while i haven't seen it myself is uh, a possibility in ireland is that the only other person in there is a man with his dog and i can imagine some kind of back in the day local cinemas might have allowed dogs in yeah I, I wouldn't be shocked i mean there, there's plenty of stories i've heard of people bringing like sheep into the the cinema and stuff in some places across the country <laughs> that'd be uh something to see i think where we live it wouldn't be shocking if you saw someone bring a horse in uh but you have to leave the horse outside that's true but yeah so uh another thing that uh, i assume would have been typical for quite some time in ireland is that uh ted speaking to the owner of the cinema uh, is like are we still on for the, the half price tickets while nudging his collar? And uh, I think that's probably something that happened uh, quite a bit in Ireland where priests would have gotten a lot of special privileges oh, absolutely. for being members of the Absolutely, Stu. I mean, it, um, it's funny because like, I was talking there about uh, 
Bishop Casey earlier now I mean I'm talking about this the song that was written by Christy Moore and it's like it recounts a story in it where he was over in um, London and he'd had a couple of drinks and he was bombing around the road and unfortunately his uh, bishop powers didn't quite work on the British police as they did in the Gardaí in this country <laughs> in terms of uh, you had to blow into the old balloon as they as it says in the song so definitely definitely aspects of that I mean if you look at how on a sadder note, the years of institutional abuse that happened in this country, I'd say they could probably, they literally got away with murder, um, with no exaggeration. So, I mean, yes. you know. Murder that will be hidden for quite some time, in some cases. Yeah, but but anyway, so I think it's not uncommon. I mean, it's, it's quite a light way of doing it, I suppose. I wouldn't bring this episode down, but it's... Uh, <laughs> But but certainly it's um, absolutely. I think it's very much Ted's kind of character as well, wheeling and dealing to a certain extent. Oh, of course, like that's that's his whole thing is uh, trying to make a quick buck, I suppose, and make himself a bit famous, like he did in in the first episode, getting on the telly. Yeah, and of course they they asked the the cinema owner then to to toss them out, but only after the movie. I suppose if we're going to protest against you, might as well see what it is. Yeah, even though uh, they don't really understand anything that actually happened. In the entire movie, it's like Jesus. Uh, he wasn't wearing much clothes back then. It's like and he lived. Oh, he lived in like Norway, so I mean, it would have been freezing the whole time. <laughs> yeah, and then like they they have to go back and protest outside of it. So it, it does a lovely Dougal is like having his dream, and he thinks he's on the TV show Blockbusters, and he's like asking for numbers. Oh yeah, he's calling. It's out. a it's a recurring kind of trope in the show. Like I know he does it later with the countdown as well, which I think is my favorite, one of my favorite Dougal bits. And then like Bishop Brennan like bursts in in the morning and they're outside protesting. This is when we get the down with this sort of thing. Careful now, scene and oh yeah, isn't that the the great part where Dougal is like. It uh, could be worse. Imagine if uh, if Bishop Brennan stormed in here right now, and as he finishes the sentence, Brennan just bursts through the door. You know, with his cloak flapping. As he goes. Absolutely. It's just great timing. And then like, they have to go protest outside. And Ted sends Dougal off to John and Mary's shop for the handcuffs. Yeah. And you see her actually, she's she's cutting up the briquettes in, inside for the. Yeah. So just a, another bit of Irishness that they, they slip in there that uh, not many other countries, I assume, would, would yeah, have. Yeah. I think we might have talked about this briefly before. I can't exactly recall. Yeah. A bit about yeah, turf like in that. Compressed turf blocks, I suppose, in a sense. It's, we call them briquettes used for fire. Yeah. They're. They work anyway, I'll tell you that. Oh yeah. And uh of course we get uh he, he purchases the handcuffs that had been uh at the sergeant's and of course Dougal had no idea that the sergeant was actually uh, a police officer. It's like Sean even John goes to it's in like, the name. Oh, didn't you think he was he dress up dress up as a that science? It was oh I just thought he was having a bit of a laugh. <laughs> hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Yeah, just adding further to Dougal's uh, idiocy that he didn't realize that the sergeant was was a member of the guards. Uh, of course, they go back then and lock themselves up as more and more people are streaming to the ci- to the cinema. I, I think it's just very funny. There's one bit where like uh, one of the Powell fellas comes up and he's just like, oh, my wife is after dying. And he goes, I'll tell you, Ted goes to him. It's like, oh, I heard your wife was unwell. Oh, she's dead, father. When, when it happened? Oh, this morning. Because is it going to go with the film? <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's kind of... That's very funny. I mean, it's probably not to that extent, but at times there there is that kind of Irishness of getting over things quick. It, yeah, it, it felt very genuine, is what I'll say that bit. I know it's like a joke, but it did feel genuine. Yeah, like, like obviously it, you wouldn't be as okay with, with your wife dying, but that there are certain circumstances where Irish people can tend to sh- shrug things off and distract themselves with something else, like going to a movie, which uh, felt very Irish to me anyway. Oh, absolutely it did, Steve. I mean, it, it is kind of there. I mean, even at the two old ladies saying they saw this film, and it's like, oh, it was like, you know, it, 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 it was a sheep, and it was a he at the end. He took out his lad and everything. You only saw it for a second, but you got the... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the old women who just starved for the conversation, so so they just keep going on. And there was some some weirdness to to that scene as well because they start talking. Oh, it looked like you, uh, your husband's, and it's like they in some kind of swinging relationship where they've seen each other's, you know, husbands, lads, as yeah. they call it. It was. I thought it was quite funny. I mean, it's just like the kind of old dirty grannies or whatever. But it's a, it's oh, yeah, a very it's a, it's a sweet and funny scene though, and in, in in kind of a weird way. But it's just kind of a nice dichotomy of that. Then the father. Father Jack turns up then and he goes in even. Yeah, they're like, oh, look, Jack's coming for some support. And he just turns right into the movie. Yeah, this word say like earlier, um, you know, he's he was going through the bishop's uh, uh, travel bag and he like takes out a bottle of Jack Daniels. And he also finds a videotape in it, made like a whole movie or something. Oh, yes, and he hides it. So that it. Now becomes relevant in a bit because it's basically it's their protest has made the film more popular. And Bishop Brennan is like giving out to them at the ending and takes out this thing. It's like, look, it's like you, you cause more people to come here. They're coming from Gdansk in Poland to see the film. <laughs> yeah. And so he decides that he's going to send them all to various uh, parishes around the world. And which I also was a thing that happened. If you were a troublesome priest, you would just be shipped off to South America or something to, to work with off, tribes off, there. Off on the missions, as they would say, yeah, if you were. Oh, yes, well, I mean, you say troublesome priests, you know, I mean, there was a reason they did that, that which we <laughs> we will not go into in this episode. Yeah, I think we've we've touched on it before, but, but we'll leave it there for now. Just the right words, do. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Bishop Brennan wanders off. Or no, he's hit by, by Father Jack. He's punched he? by Father Jack, and then they discover the videotape. And then they basically, oh, well, we call him now. So obviously they're not going to do anything because they basically have blackmail material on him. Yeah, they, they watch the tape and it's it's Bishop Brennan in the States with uh, his, I assume, well, not mistress, but I don't you know. I can't they, assume. Oh, no, it was, it was actually, um, they were married, weren't they? I think the, the father, Fernandez, says it, or maybe it was Ted, that the, the, the marriage was... Um, well, no, no, I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't think he meant they were married. I mean, you can't really get married if you're a priest, but I think it's they're certainly in a relationship. No, but wasn't it blessed? We said the union was blessed. Either Fernandez or Ted said 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so I would have assumed this. I, that. I think I took it just to mean that they were in a relationship and they'd had a child. I mean, I don't priest Catholic priest can't marry certainly, so it's it would be invalid anyhow. Of course, but if he does, if he doesn't declare it while he's over there, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, and so there, he's with his the person who he's had a child with and the love child, uh, having a great time at the beach. And so, of course, they watch it again, and then they, that kind of ends the episode. But we we can assume that they used it to get off scot free from their troubles. Absolutely, and like I said, kind of a direct dig at Eamon Casey there at the time, because this would have been about when the scandal had broken. So striking when the iron is hot to a certain degree. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of less of a deal now in that sense. I don't think anyone would really mind if priests went off and had a family. It's kind of fairly fairly alright, you know. I mean, like in the Church of England, Church of Ireland, priests have been able to marry for a very long time, so. I think I think it's just not really yeah, an issue so, anymore. Of course not. I mean, it's it's a ridiculous thing that they keep doing, but we're not going to change it on this podcast, I suppose. Yeah, um, I suppose that's it. I mean, I will I will just say this is a good episode for quotes. Uh, definitely, like you know, down with this sort of thing. Careful now is universal Irish quote almost at this point. Uh, like two that I really like using are just at the very end, like they're coming from Gdansk to see the film, and, and here's Jack actually watching the film. A uh, bit more obscure, but I always found them very good. Yeah, so I think uh, I I can say safely for both of us that it's a crock of gold absolutely not the best episode of father ted don't get me wrong but it's definitely a, a good one yeah so then we'll jump into the second episode we watched which is competition time so in this one uh father ted Dougal, and jack enter a talent competition visited by a bbc presenter with an odd drinking problem yes so i mean it starts off and ted comes in dressed as elvis and then discovers that Dougal. just uh just yeah. to say rob uh, when I I watched this on 4OD, yeah. which is the Channel 4's online kind of free streaming of their, their shows. And before I hit play, I noticed that in the guidance that came up on the screen, it actually had a warning for blackface. Yes, I actually have a thing on that. And I was going to say we might have a chat about that when it occurs. Um. Of course, it, it just like I was because I, I haven't seen these episodes in quite some time. And it was like. What are they just? Dis- what what blackface are they talking about? But yeah, we'll we'll save the rest of that discussion. We for will. It it's, I suppose if you haven't seen this, it's a little bit of a surprise. I think it's one of the things that has an age as well. But we'll touch on that when it happens in the show, perhaps. So anyway, they're yeah. all Elvis. Um, Dougal has basically gotten the idea to go as Elvis because Ted kept mentioning it, and then Jack is half out of it as as usual. But he's also Elvis. So uh, what what do they do? Is 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 the the kind of real thing and. Um, then Father Dick Byrne, who's Ted's, really is kind of mirror image, if you will, you know. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of the the enemy that's the exact same as you. Yeah, like the broken house in Rugged Island is like, you know, Dick Byrne, Father Sarah McDuff and the other priest I can't remember. They're all effectively the same as the three lads there. Um, Morris Dunn, who actually plays Dick Byrne, was originally offered the role of Ted. Like he was... Uh, more of a serious actor um, and he was who they originally when they well not the, he wasn't the original Father Ted uh, which was Arthur Matthews one of the producers but he when they were doing this separately as a show he was who they originally offered and when they eventually did get Dermot Morgan who played Ted who was the, who they originally wanted they actually created the role of Father Dick Byrne just because they felt Morris was so good at it it's, it's kind of like it is literally this is the other Ted so it's basically the way the two of them play off each other is exactly what would have happened in reverse almost yeah and like it, it- it's it's great. So he calls uh, Dick Byrne calls Ted and says, like, "Oh, are you going to the the all priest costume contest?" And he's like, "Oh yeah." It's like, "Will you be Mother Teresa again this year?" And uh, Ted's like, "No, no, I have something different planned." And what is this? Dick Byrne goes, "Oh, I think you have a really good chance of winning this year." And Ted's like, "Really?" 
No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's just such a, it's such a stupid joke, but it, it works so well just because for a moment, Ted is like thinking that he's being sincere about it. What I really like is that it, as well, they're both kind of wearing the same thing, like a kind of jumper over their kind of priest garb. And then like the other guys are in the same position in the room. And even like the... Even like oh, yeah, switch like the, the phone and like, give the same gestures to their they do it split screen. Their cure. It's just so well done. Like it's just very, very well done. Yeah, it works very, very well. Um, so then I can't remember what they were talking about. I for some reason didn't write it down. But Mrs. Doyle is talking to Ted, and he's talking. Oh, he's talking about a priest who she wanted to see there, but he had passed oh, away he, or something in in terrible circumstances. Because she's going like, oh, he's he's. He's very yeah, happy and jolly. He's, oh, they'll say the fat man, they're always kind of jolly like that. And he goes, oh, he killed himself, Mrs. Doyle, he shot himself. And he's like, oh, I suppose it's it. They just laugh to hide the pain and it kind of runs off. It's like, oh, that was an interesting aside. <laughs> yeah, but uh, like I pointed out because it's similar to what I was saying about the last episode where um, your man's kind of blasé about his wife passing away. It's that kind of Irish way of thinking of things where it just kind of, she doesn't really care either way. She just kind of fills in the space with, with her own thoughts on yeah on absolutely I think it kind of just is typical of Mrs. Doyle's character I think it does suit it quite well and that's it they kind of just move on there really and then there, there's something Henry Sellers the British TV presenter is going to come over and be judging the competition you see some of him in action and then the TV presenting a show where it's like he's got these two lovely old ladies on who don't I don't think are quite with it Sue and he's like you know what is the capital of yeah. England is it New York London he like leans in towards one of the ladies like nods at her yeah <laughs> Oh, that was great. It, it really reminded me kind of of uh, Winning Streak here. Oh, yeah, Winning Streak. Is, uh, Absolutely. Kind of our TV game show that it's mostly older people who who take part. And uh, it's kind of you just win money. I mean, there, there's no trick to it at all. There's no you just spin a wheel and you do a few few games but you're always winning something. Cars I mean, and still, hotel you gotta you gotta and, get like the buy a scratch card. And then you can win some money on the scratch. You're like, you know, you win a five or you could win a tenner. Uh, you could win a, a couple thousand if you're very lucky. But if you get three stars on the scratch cards, do you send it off to RTE? And if you're very lucky, you'll be on winning streak. That's the, that's the most important part. I remember like when I was younger and my grandfather got the three stars and we'd, we'd send it off and we'd be like, oh, maybe he'll be on it. Because like they, they'd bring the whole family up to RTE and they'd be in the crowd and everyone have their own homemade signs. So <laughs> I used to love watching oh, yeah. that when I was younger. Like the cringiest <laughs> stuff. Yeah, I know. I remember my own grandfather would always be watching it and he was a bit yeah. hard of hearing at the time. So he'd have oh, like, yeah. up to 11. Like it was the loudest thing. But I love as well. Of course, you'd have um, Marty Whelan. Uh, presenting it and there's a there's and if you want to oh, if you yeah. want to see like a proper irish tv presenter look up marty whelan the, like the man the mustache the mystique the legend oh yeah he, he's our version of uh what's his face french previous or whatever is well no i, I was gonna say um i don't really watch whoever does Je- whoever does jeopardy that guy give me a second I'll, I'll look it up but he just not not even a uh a game show presenter no no not a game show presenter just I, I, i'm trying to think of uh, mustachioed americans here and i'm just saying well i don't think john bolton is quite who you're talking about but um i had a bit of a loss here Stu. mustachioed people on television um but uh, marty's great like you know he also commentates our your our your vision song contest here in ireland and does a bunch of travel shows as well and he's just genuine he seems like an, an kind of old kind of granddad but he, he seems like a very nice affable kind of person tom Selleck. that's what i was thinking of oh tom Selleck. is that magnum pi isn't it <laughs> yeah i was trying i couldn't i couldn't think of the man's name or the show all i could think of was that he was on friends for a little bit 
and I still couldn't remember that. I, I'd love if so. um, they like just did like the Irish Magnum PI with Marty, Mar- Marty, sorry, not Marty Morrissey. Actually, put Marty Morrissey, Marty Morrissey, and Marty <laughs> Whelan, the two Martys, and Marty PI. I think that'd be great. Uh, and and also you actually see Father Ted. He's reading a uh, Halo magazine. It's a piss take of Hello magazine, which I found quite funny with Pope John Paul II on it. I always thought that I, I get like it's a halo as a part of like obviously an angel thing, but I always thought when I was younger that was a parody of how the, the way the Pope spoke. Because he wouldn't say Louis Hello. <laughs> That's a, an interesting take, but <laughs> maybe it was Rob. You'd have to ask the, the writers of the show. Yeah, so Henry Sellers uh, turns up along with Father um I think Father Dunn, Barty as they call him, who's oh <laughs> the thing there, Stu. Remember that? <laughs> That's one of the things that, that Father Ted is great for. It really like shows almost the spectrum of Irish priests because I can guarantee you that maybe not so much now, but back at that time, you would have found this kind of priest somewhere in Ireland, just the overly jovial, laughing all the time, making jokes and stuff uh, during Mass. You know, Stu, I was, I was actually looking for a very specific T-shirt to, to wear during this, even though we're not recording it on video, but I have one that has um, it has a picture of the women's and men's bathroom sign on it, and then over it says the, the old he-he. So, yeah, it's, it's other, I quite like this quote as well. I love Father Dunn. It's just like, you know, the, the old he-he in regards to a bathroom is funny. And also, I love using his thing when I'm just like, you know, having a bit of cracks. Like, oh, it was the kind of thing, sure, you know yourself. That's just a very Irish kind of uh, phrase, I think, as well. Yeah, so they're chatting away. And I, I just loved with uh, Mrs. Doyle, like having the, the pile of sandwiches, which is another very Irish thing to do, where if you're a guest... It's just you're you're ploughed with everything you could possibly want. So if you want something to eat, you know, or, or I'll make you dinner now if you want it. You know, you have a cup of tea, or do you want this or so that, that, the other thing? And it's just forced on you, like you can't say no to anything. Well, see, well, see, this is an important thing I think to, to mention, Stu. I don't know if we've talked about this before in the podcast, but we probably should. Uh, if you offer an Irish person something, they're going to say no first, right? Because that's just the way we are. You don't like say like Stu comes over to my house. Yeah. I'd say Stu, you want to... don't want to impose. It's like Stu comes over to my house. I say Stu. Do you want a cup of tea? No, 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 I'm grand. Are you sure? I'm having one myself. No matter at all. Uh, go on. You sure? Ah, oh, grand, grand. So it's like, <laughs> which is kind of a thing like where I've kind of, my, my friends and family have experienced this, particularly like in America or like other places where someone asks you want a coffee or something and they're like, oh no, it's fine. And then it's like, okay, and I won't get them a coffee when they want a coffee. So I think it is a very, it's a very kind of Irish thing where it's like all the sandwiches are there and it's like, that's ah, no trouble there. Mrs. Other go on, go on, go on, go on. Exactly spot on because no Irish person would say yes um, at the very start. It'd be very unusual. And uh, another great line was Father Ted talking uh, to your man Peter Sellers, and uh, he goes Henry, uh, Henry Sellers too. Henry Sellers, that's the one. Peter Sellers, sure, the big uh, <laughs> Look, he, he's he's a versatile actor. He can do both. But uh, he's like, uh, if you need anything now, just let me know. Anything you want, and I'll get it for you. If it's within my power. I will have it for you. And uh, then he goes, can I get, uh, I haven't been able to get the English papers. He's like, no, anything but the English papers. <laughs> absolutely anything but not the English papers. And it's just, That's just pretty like accurate. Um, I, it, it, it's very true. I always thought that when I went down to, you know, West Clare down to Kilkey every summer, you'd occasionally get English people that would be staying there too when they were trying to get like the English versions of like the sun or whatever. And one shopkeeper wouldn't stock it because he was a Liverpool fan. And obviously they don't stock the sun because of, you know, Hillsborough and all that. But 
you know, trying to get like even like the English version of the Times or whatever, just you just can't get it in Ireland. Is that so? I think it's 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 quite an accurate statement. You really, it's very very difficult like, the English version of papers in this country. Oh yeah, definitely. So then Henry Sellers is uh, similarly uh, to before forced to sherry by uh, Mrs Doyle, just more aguan. We find out that he was actually a recovering alcoholic. <laughs> And he goes a bit mad from it. And another great bit, like, you know, sack me, sack me, I made the BBC. Another great quote from Father Ted that's used constantly. Like, I know plenty of people who were like, um, oh, so you should watch out for that fella there. He has a few drinks and he turns into Henry Sellers. You know, <laughs> I, I've heard plenty of people say that. Not about myself, thankfully. I'm sure Stu can back me up on that. But um, I've definitely you know. never said that about you. <laughs> <laughs> Good. So no, it's it's a great bit. Nicky trashes the room and eventually he jumps out the window. <laughs> just a great... yeah, he goes, he goes running off. It's just one of my favorite recurring bits in, in, in the entire series. It's like particularly Father Jack and other people is like jumping out the window. <laughs> oh yeah, and, it, and they replace it, it and they replace it constantly. It's just fantastic. Oh yeah, there, there must be just just one glass company on the island who does the windows, and they're just making a fortune. Uh, of Father Ted and them, I I I love it. It's just so great. Then they have to to track him down, and I I love the sergeant uh, who's just like I've seen this kind of thing before. <laughs> <laughs> in Vietnam, it's like you were in Vietnam. It's like no, I watched it in the movies. Oh, which I love. Yeah, just some great little things, and it's like the, he's like Bigfoot running through the trees. And eventually, they have to like make noise, and he tranquilizes him, and then Ted is like, "No, oh, leave Father Jack off. He'll he'll come back." You know. Yeah, Father Jack's there running through. <laughs> it's just, it's a hilarious scene. Just as they watch him run off into the into the trees in the forest. Yeah, no, it's pretty. Then they have to um, come up with their plan for well, what are they going to do? So Ted kind of says, "No, I'll we'll just be Elvis then," and has this idea which you don't really see. And then then it cuts to the talent show, and we see a guy, one of the priests, doing like a David Bowie impression, like doing Ziggy Stardust. Yeah, interesting little tidbits do. Oh, right. like, this is the comedian Ding Dong Denny O'Reilly, who was kind of a songwriter comedian fella. He was actually a, f- a friend of the writers Arthur Matthews and Graham Linehan. He uh, actually used to be in a parody band called the Joshua Trio, obviously from the Joshua Tree, the, the U2 album. Everything goes back to U2 in the end, in the late 80s. And it was actually the first time the original Father Ted character, played by Arthur Matthews, appeared on stage was on Nighthawks in 1989 which is an RTE TV show where he played, where he played with the Joshua trio, including Ding Dong, Denny O'Reilly. So he was the first person to be on stage with Father Ted on TV. That's a good one. Um, actually, we forgot to mention that didn't um, Father Ted and Dick Byrne decided to have a bet on who would win the costume competition. Five pounds. Dude. And uh, oh, five pounds. I mean, Jesus, there's almost too much money to be, to be betting away. That's about six, like maybe seven euro at the moment. I mean, that'd probably be about eight, not even $10. <laughs> well, you have to account for inflation as well. All right. Probably this about maybe, like maybe, maybe $15 then Stu. <laughs> still, still, still not a lot of money. It's not like five pounds, like 1890s. Like, Oh, sorry, sorry. Jesus. Five pounds. <laughs> Yeah, but it, it's just that they like they they make it seem like it, it's a, an absolute fortune for them to be betting away five pound like that. Yeah, I mean they must be like absolutely broke if they can't afford that. Or sorry, Rob, we should be saying uh, punts. Five punts, a Kuig punt. Yeah, the Irish pound specifically rather than the British pound. That's right. Then we get to the bit that you mentioned earlier, Stu, where Dick Byrne, his priest, yeah, Diana Ross, and two of the Supremes, isn't it? 
yeah, yes. so it was they're definitely wearing they're dressed up in lo- lovely dresses too when they have the hair up and they're definitely wearing something to darken their faces um i suppose you know i i remember this i know you didn't it is a bit jarring to kind of see it now yeah it's it's not a good look obviously i mean you could make the argument that it was a different time and all that but still yeah and, and morris is on who played father uh, dick Byrne. he has said in interviews that it's the one thing he regrets doing is the blackface. And I, I see his point. I mean, I, I think it's definitely unnecessary. Uh, you know, even if they if they were just kind of not wearing the blackface that did kind of the same joke, it would probably still be funny because like they're they're priests and they're dressed up in, you know, women's clothing. It's sort of Yeah, I mean, like there's there's any number of other female bands that they could have chosen without having to use blackface. I mean, they could have said Bananarama and had them dressed up like them or like the Bangles or I'm not sure if it was the right time for the Spice Girls. I think it probably would have been. You could have done that. I mean, it was... It been very early. Oh yeah, but I mean, it would have been fine. But it's just, it just doesn't sit right. I mean, I don't want to go on gone about it for too long but i think it's it's kind of one of the things where maybe it'll be cut out of the show in future you'd have to consider but as i said like yeah the way uh channel four did it was they put a warning in at the start to be like look this is something it was filmed a long time ago um doesn't represent the company now or anything I think as well, just to say, Stu, I mean i as far as I was aware, you know the blackface wasn't really an acceptable thing in Ireland in the 90s like that. I stand to be correct on that. I, I mean, I, I'm not a person of colour. I don't, I can't speak to that. But I cannot recall, barring this, like seeing that type of thing on TV in Ireland around that time. I, I, I can recall seeing it in some British TV shows, all right. But yeah, I I, I wouldn't have thought that would have been, was appropriate at all, um, unless you're the Prime Minister of Canada. But, uh, you know. Oh, of course. One thing I, I did love as well, though, just to get off such a uh, bad topic, is the the hall they used itself, because it, it really is just like uh, an old school hall. Really kind of community centre kind of thing, isn't it, Stu? It's, it's really that kind of vibe. Where you'd like, you'd, you'd, yeah, which we've all been in before. Yeah, it's like, you know, they'd be doing the bingo beforehand and they'd be setting it up for the competition. Oh, yeah. Um, so then I suppose we'll get on to the, the, the highlight of the show which is the plan that they've come up with to use Elvis, where Father Dougal comes out as a young Elvis when he kind of started his career. And then we have Ted come out as Elvis after he went to war in like the height of his, his fame. And then we have Father Jack still in his chair as a, the king before he, he passed away, holding like a massive burger in his hand and like the the cigarette that's like burnt down to the end like the whole ash is, is still stuck to it it's just great i mean it, i suppose in a sense it's accurate i mean the whole i was thinking elvis used to eat to the fool's gold i think is what he called and it was like um oh yeah his his massive sandwich but it was like a hollowed out like um brioche roll or something like full of peanut butter and then it had like bacon on top of it or something and then jam or for american listeners yeah jelly. i suppose yeah it was something like that and i was like i mean you'd I'd, I'd try a slice of it it doesn't sound unappetizing i guess to a certain extent but i wouldn't eat the whole thing i mean maybe a normal sandwich with sliced bread but not uh, an entire loaf yeah i mean elvis used to um you know his pilot he used to have, like you have to fly a certain amount of hours every year to you know be on, on the keep on the books basically so they used to fly yeah. from just like 
Graceland or like near Memphis, Tennessee, it's like this other place, and just they'd have a chef like meet them there who like cook these specific burgers from. So you ever thought, oh, it's very extravagant, like Elvis just goes this place to get a burger, but it was actually so his pie to keep up his flight hours, and this was just then was like, oh, no, actually, you have to get out of the plane and just get a nice burger. This is bloody brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, he uh, he definitely enjoyed his food. He sure did. Um, I, I think. Yeah. Then at the end, of course, um, uh, Dick and Ted have their uh, little thing at the end, and Ted gets his like no uh, thing back at him, and then yeah, he, he gets then, back at him. And then Henry takes a sip of champagne and then jumps through the window again after saying "damn bastards." So it, it's all here we go again. Yeah, they do a great job just kind of starting back where they where they were before, where he's gone off and they're like, ah, we'll, we'll leave him for a while. Yeah, so, oh, a good, good episode. I, I think definitely memorable for some some of the right reasons, some of the less right reasons, perhaps. But uh, I did crack a goal for me. I mean, I I really enjoyed it. I loved the Henry Sellers character. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a great one. And the, the, the jokes about his, uh, his toupee throughout the whole thing, where Dougal's kind of asking about it without realising it, it's not something you ask about. Yeah, it's just very funny. It's like Ted like going, oh, it's just because your hair looks so natural. And Dougal goes one point, it's a wig. It's just very funny. Yeah, it's great stuff. Definitely a crock of gold for me as well anyway. Uh, so I think we'll, we'll cut ourselves off there. Uh, next week, we will watch The Secret of Rowan Inish, which is a 1994 film uh, based on a book. So we'll see what that's like to do something different again. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Hopefully we'll... I'll do something with this microphone. We've had we're having a, a string of we're having a string of bad luck. It, there's nothing wrong with the mic. I think in person, it's just trying to do this long distance is causing the issues. It seems like, but anywho, who knows? So fingers crossed. Anyway, when this lockdown is over, we'll you know be able to do this better in person. And with the way the numbers are going in, in Ireland, it is looking positive at the very least. Yeah, we're on the way. Yeah, lovely have Christmas with the family, but um, I'll sign us off anyways too. So thanks very much for listening, guys. If you've enjoyed this, uh, please tell a friend. We, we do really appreciate that. If you have any feedback you can give us, you can give us a shout on Twitter at BlarneyPod, and you can also email us at TalkingBlarneyPod at gmail.com. We do read all of your feedback. We do really appreciate it. Uh, so for me, it's goodbye, and thank you very much. Sloan, and we'll see you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.